Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, nature nerds, to another episode of You're Gonna Die Out There. We're having a nature Nike today. Yep. Jen, so providing our nature Nike. I am. Which is just a shorter, shorter story. Shorter, shorter. Yep. <laughs> I feel like I'm a shorter, shorter. You are. Yeah. It's true. It's okay. You know, as a short person, I'm happy with it. <laughs> yeah. We can like kind of, you know, slide around undetected, <laughs> squeeze through small areas. Except you need people to get stuff for you in like tall shelves. <laughs> I know. That is true. It's true, but I have a tall husband. I'm like, yeah. get that, get that thing with get your long arms. Me. Anything going Any on? Updates? I mean, just I don't know. I feel like I mention these things all the time, just but it's probably just in my brain, uh-huh. and I don't say them here. But everyone should go to Netflix and watch all the uh, episodes of Six Feet Under. Oh yeah, we talked about that yeah. on the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just came back from a little shopping excursion. It was fun. And can I just throw this out there? And yeah. anybody who can write us back or put something on Instagram. Who uses a turkey roaster? We want to know. Oh, yeah. We need your reviews of a turkey roaster. Is it good? Is it bad? <sighs> they were. I mean. It must have been on sale or something. It just seemed so cheap. I feel like this is such a like NPR. <laughs> we're like. What do you put in your tur- turkey when you roast it? <laughs> well, you know, Jen, I took out the turkey roaster. Did you Did you stuff your turkey in the turkey roaster? I put some basil and thyme. <laughs> some did small you, red potatoes, Jen. Did you? What kind of butter did you use? <laughs> salted? Clarified. <Unsalted>. Clarified uh, <laughs> Irish butter. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing that thing where yeah, yeah. it's like, going to cook some turkeys. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, turkeys. I love you. But we're going to happen. It's the thing. Look, I feel like our shopping outing today was like more than 50% of our time was spent standing next to these turkey roasters <laughs> talking about <laughs> appliances. We're like, but it's $60. <laughs> like, it's it. such a great price. It's a steal. Old turkey. <laughs> Old turkey could fit in there. Or two, two chickens. <laughs> 26 pounds. Oh, my God. So I mean, amazing. And you can make stews. I'm I gonna feel make like we so shouldn't shop stew. together. We shouldn't. <laughs> we just impulse buy. And we both went home with a turkey. We just did. Like, Matching full disclosure, turkey. we both came home with a turkey roast. <laughs> like, I don't even recall you making a turkey. Do you make turkeys? <laughs> no. But the- <laughs> but I, I didn't even talk about that. But I, I feel like this I year bought you're making it. One. Look, this year I, I, I'm going to do it because <laughs> you that's, I justified roaster. it because you're going to be hosting Thanksgiving as per usual, and I'm I'm yeah. going to roast a turkey in my turkey roaster, and you're going to roast one in yours, and I'll just bring the extra turkey. When you marry an islander, <laughs> they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah, you just become the token like. <laughs> You know, lady that does Thanksgiving. So. And, then they, and then they say, like, let's just get mashed potatoes from KFC. It'll be fine. And oh, you're yeah. like, shut so, up. So that that happens. Yeah. They're yeah. like, hey, no problem. <clears throat> just being potatoes and uh, gravy. I'm like, immediately in the trash. No, don't do that. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I mean, yeah, honestly, like I get I you. super like you upset. Know, I get upset about it, Megan. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, can't. No, no. We use real potatoes. And real Irish butter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good times. Anyway. I I think I bought the turkey roaster because it's a 22-quart container that I can make 
so much stew in. There's going to, my child is going to be like, stop making stew. Plus I have like five bags of 15 bean soup. I feel like that 22 quarts. Yeah, that's done. We're going to be eating 15 bean soup for like all of What about 239 bean soup? (laughs) 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 Because if you added one more, it'd be too farty. (laughs) That's my favorite dad joke Uh, that my dad actually told me. That's pretty good. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, so that's, we're we're getting ready for, you know, the rest of the burr months. It's happening, guys. I bought some Christmas stuff. Yeah. Because... It just, I couldn't. My kids are like, they're out of control. Yeah. I've created some monsters. <laughs> yesterday, you guys pulled up, or you were leaving, right? And yeah. The, the music on in the car was uh, oh Christmas I can't tunes stop already. Them. I can't stop them. It's, I, you know, we're not even, Thanksgiving is a holiday, Jen. <laughs> and the problem is, is that we live on this island that never gets snowy or cold or, yeah. you know, beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I don't know. It looks the same. It looks the same. It's like just extra tinsel. Yeah. Extra brightness. Well, I think if happening. some people start putting up some decorations. Like the hot pink deer. Yes. <laughs> on the side of the <laughs> did road. Did we talk about that last year? I don't I feel like I we don't did. Know. Did we probably? Yeah. Probably. But yeah. It's it, not even it, a reindeer. <laughs> it's just somebody took a deer and spray painted it with like a glossy hot pink. It's it's like it's shiny. Like, you know those shiny cakes that they make, that glaze that they just like mirror glaze where it just like drips on the sides. It's like that. And there were just but hot pink. They just put it out. Nothing else. Just it's amazing. That. Just uh, that. Amazing. Yeah. It makes me want to get a couple and just put them in the front yard. <laughs> I mean, at least put some like tinsel, I, I don't know, lights or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just a face. Garland. Doesn't even have a face. No, it doesn't have a face. It's just a hot pink deer. Just super weird. I love it. Anyway. All right. Well, I do have a story for us today. I'm excited. You should be. <laughs> okay. Today, I'm going to take us back to 1986. Oh. That's a good year. Was it? Yeah, I was six years old. Okay. I feel like I was jamming a lot to the um, Beach Boys at six years old. Oh, really? Because Kokomo, I feel like that song Kokomo came out around then. Because um, I had a little Care Bears thing. I'm thinking that was more 88. Was that 88? Oh. I don't know. I just remember hearing it a lot on the radio yeah. in 1988. I had really big hair that year, so it kind of it stands out, no pun intended. <laughs> um, so, no, this was August, late August mm-hmm. of 1986. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about um, a particular person to kind of set the the tone. The tone. Nobody you've heard of. Okay, I'm pretty sure. All right. His name is Ephraim mm-hmm. Che or Chi C H E. Cool. Not sure which. Yeah. And he was in his mud brick house on a cliff above Nios, which is a crater lake in the volcanic highlands of Northwest Cameroon. Cool. Which is for those who don't know, it's a country in Central Africa. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know who. So, could be somebody who's not familiar with where it's at. And this was at around 9 p.m. And he was a subsistence farmer. He had four children. And he was just like, you know, closing out the night as farmers do maybe around that time. Mm-hmm. And then he heard like a rumbling. He thought there was a, a rock slide. And then there was this like strange white mist that started rising out of the lake. And he told his, his kids, he's like, hey, look. Maybe we're going to get some rain or something. And they went to bed feeling ill. Oh. Further down near this like Crater Lakes shoreline, mm-hmm. there was a lady, a mother named Halima Sule, I think, S-U-L-E-Y. Not sure. She had cows, took care of cows. That was her livelihood. She had four children. They had all gone to bed. And she also heard the rumbling. 
And she recalled that it sounded like the shouting of many voices. The rumbling? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's creepy. It is creepy. Um, and then there, she said there was like a wind that roared through her family's compound of thatch huts. And then she passed out, in her words, like a dead person. What? Mm-hmm. So at first light, uh, Ephraim woke up feeling really super weird. He headed downhill down like towards the lake Mm -hmm. and the lake which was normally like this really beautiful crystal blue was like a dull red and when he got to the lake's little outlet there's usually a waterfall that's cascading down from this like low spot in the shore it was completely dry which was not normal weird and at that moment he noticed it was really really quiet like a silence like no animals no eerie silence so even like there's usually like birds, insects, like all everything, just quiet. So like creepy to him, like his knees were shaking. And then he ran farther along the lake and then he heard like some screaming. And that was Halima. And he got to her and she was just like freaking out. She had actually torn her clothing off and she was like yelling his name. And she said, come here. Why are these people lying here? Why won't they move again? <gasps> so he tried to look away. But there were bodies everywhere. Her kids were laying around. All 400 of their cattle were dead. She kept trying to shake all of them awake, like her her whole family, and everybody was dead. There were no flies. Even the flies were dead. What? Yeah. So then he ran downhill towards the village of Lower Nios. And there he said that everyone, there was like a thousand residents, they were all dead, including his parents, siblings, uncles, aunts. He said, I myself, I was crying, crying, crying. And this was on August 21st, 1986, the end of the world, or so he thought at that time. Yeah. In total, there was actually 1,746 people estimated and more than 3,500 livestock that died within minutes at Lake Nyos that night. Uh, A lot of the victims were found right where they'd normally be at 9 o'clock, suggesting that they died on the spot. There were, like, bodies laying near cooking fires. They were clustered in doorways. They were in their beds. Some people who had been unconscious for more than a day, and when they woke up, they looked around and all their family members had died, and they actually then ended their lives because it was just, like, such shock and terrible. So people had kind of come in and seen this and, like, left and everybody was freaked out the people who had actually survived they you know called the police they called you know emergency whatever because they're way out like right there's no community it's bad communication so they'd have to ride their bikes or motorcycles there was a story of somebody who woke up and it was different than Ephraim that they rode their motorcycle like to another town Mm -hmm. and like passed out and they were like you know emergency services came and I guess, tried to help whoever still needed help. Mm -hmm. But not long after that, they called for help to figure out what had happened, right? So they called. It was literally like not long after that, they were calling scientists, people who had been working out there, like checking on the lake from Japan, France, the U.S. And not too long after this, they arrived to investigate to see what had happened. They saw the bodies. That's how quickly they got there. Mm-hmm. And they saw that they were dead. There was no signs of trauma or struggle. They simply just died right where they were. Um, and as the research team approached the lake, they noted that the bodies became more numerous the closer they got to the lake. Mm-hmm. And that the lake was like a weird color. So they're like, okay, well, something. 
something happened with the lake. This is associated with the lake, but they just didn't know how or what happened. So it looked like Lake Nios had erupted and that during the night, the lake, which is set in a crater of a dormant volcano, had actually emitted this massive cloud. This is what they eventually found out. Right, right, right. Is that there was this massive cloud of cool carbon dioxide that had like poofed out. It like belched it and it like silently went down the slope and killed everything, killed everything in its path. And it was about a quarter of a mile of carbon dioxide that was released from the lake that night. And it went at 45 miles per hour out into the nearby villages. Just it, like just CO2. And into the town itself until, you know, it just like blasted everybody with that. And then eventually like went up into the air and then it was like it was gone. But it just like went basically down the slope from the crater. So unlike a lot of disasters that happen, I, and I talked about volcanoes. Yeah. I did a whole episode on volca- volcanoes. Because this happened in 1986, mm-hmm. they could really study it. You know, it's not like this happened in like... 1900. The, yeah. And or, they're before, like, or earlier. And then, and then it's blamed on some mystical... Right. Something. Right. Yeah. So now they really know, and they say, even though they, they know it's still very terrifying and strange. So the few that did survive the disaster, because this is called the Lake Niles disaster. Yeah. Sorry, I yeah, should yeah, have been like, sense. it's called sense. this. The situation they woke up to would have been beyond... Horrific. Horrific. Yeah. yeah. It was horribly surreal. Some of the survivors didn't wake for two days. And when they did, like everybody was gone. They were dead. Their like their neighbors, all their livestock, everything, everything gone. And they would have just like been, you know, stumbling out of their houses. Mm -hmm. And they really thought that this was like the end of the world. Because for them it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just some can you imagine like you live in a remote area? Everything you know, everyone you know is just all of a sudden just dead. Dead. Yeah. In front of you. Yeah. And you all passed out at the same time. Right. It's just somehow you didn't die. You're like just slightly more hardy, maybe? Well, I think it just, I think it was where people were situated from the the lake. But I don't know how some people in the same house survived and others didn't. Right. It's just, yeah, who knows? So like there are chickens dead in the street. I mean, just imagine like everywhere you look, everything's dead livestock dead in the fields there's like dead birds everywhere like just dropped from the sky insects dead and this is like like in like in near the equator there's a lot there's a lot going on in africa so a lot of things like living things and just everything was gone so and it took like a couple of days until the insects started coming back Mm -hmm. around the same time as the vultures oh no yeah yeah um oh I'll, I'll get there. So they did. So research into why this happened was, like I said, it was carbon dioxide gas released from, you know, this volcano, this dormant volcano. And it had been accumulating at the bottom of the lake for centuries. And so this is it happened like this. I'll just go through the whole scenario. It's kind sure, of a little sure. bit of a repeat, but it's like this is the series. So survivors heard a rumble, like you said, coming mm-hmm. from the lake. And then there was this invisible gas cloud. It came from the lake, the depths of the lake, the noise that came from the lake for about 15 to 20 seconds was followed by this cloud of carbon dioxide and a blast of like smelly air. Cause can you imagine how like Mm. stinky it was? Yeah. And then the cloud quickly moved North towards the village of lower Nios. Some of the people tried to run from the cloud, 
And they were later just found dead in, you know, the paths like leading out of town. So could they see the cloud? Yeah. Oh, so it's like a little bit. That's the white mist he's talking about. Yes. Like a little bit white. Okay. Yeah. And then this like cloud of gas, it moved to Chasumba and Fang, which are two like little villages, like, you know, Mm -hmm. little around the lake. And there was like instantly 500 people gone. Jesus. It killed, you know, like I said, everything in its path. And it wasn't the first incident like this. Two years earlier, in 1984, there were 37 people that died near Lake Manown, and they died suddenly. But people didn't really know much about that. Sure. It wasn't really studied. Maybe because only 37 people. Although that's so creepy and awful. That's still a lot. That's a lot of people. So they're similar because they're both crater lakes. They're both about the same size, about a mile square. And they're also, you know, both located in this uh, remote mountain areas in northwest Cameroon. And there's like rock cliffs and a lot of vegetation around them. Mm-hmm. Monown, Lake Monown is like a bone-shaped crater lake and it's 60 miles south of Nios Lake. Mm. So they're really close. I mean, that's pretty close. Yeah. And supposedly the incident, they say, was covered up by the government. Oh. And since there's no electricity or telephones in the area... And they just kind of just didn't warn people. Sure. The 5,000 people who live in the villages near Lake Nios were completely unaware. That that even happened. That, right. And if they did, it wasn't like they really knew or thought there would be an issue with where they lived. Yeah. Right? This is very the fog. (laughs) I know, right? I'm wondering if that's where they got the idea because this happened in, you know, quite a while ago. So the scientists, when they got there, the scientists... (laughs) The group of scientists, they were scared because they didn't know what happened in the beginning Mm -hmm. or like if it was going to happen again, what happened to them. Um, So the Cameroon military actually came in and did a mass grave. Okay. Which isn't great. but Not great. But I I can understand in a situation like that where you're just trying to clean up. Yeah. Maybe. And so for like hygiene reasons and also... And this is coming yeah. from what the scientists witnessed, but it rained a lot. Oh. And also there was like thousands of cattle that were just dead everywhere, decomposing, and that therefore the vultures. They say, and I kind of love this, that only the survivors' hospitality helped them. I mean, the people who lived were like, they said the researchers said that they like went into their houses and cooked for them and were like, are you okay? And they're like, how are you asking us if we're okay? Like, you just lost everything. All the, yeah, everybody yeah, you knew. But you get, like, yeah, you're worried about us. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Which makes it even more, like, heartbreaking. Heart, yeah. So they went out onto the lake, mm-hmm. the scientists, <laughs> this group of scientists. I'm just imagining them in, like, a, like a boat, but all wearing those biohazard yeah. suits. Yeah, it, do, it, does, it doesn't say that they did. I think they were just there. There's one guy from Japan, I know. He was there a year earlier taking samples from the lake. Nothing to do with anything like this. Mm-hmm. Probably just testing, like, how safe it is to, you know, swim or drink or whatever. Yeah. So they went out in these little dinghies um, to get water samples because they're like, well, maybe something like this. But some already had assumed that this underwater volcano volcano had erupted. But mm-hmm. others, like, were like, no, this had to be connected with that, the deaths around that Monown. Oh, the other lake. Yeah. Yeah, the other lake. So, and they, it was like an, at that point, an unknown natural hazard was all they knew about that because they never, 
Nothing was ever yeah. done about it. So after that, the scientists started to piece together that this lake is super deep. It's 682 feet. Mm. And it's on top of this porous, they say, carrot-shaped deposit of volcano rubble, mm. which is like ash left over from old eruptions like forever ago. And that carbon dioxide may have been left in this like from that old activity. And it was like, it just got shifted so what they think happened is that there was actually a little like landslide or mudslide underneath in the water. Oh, maybe that was the rumble. That was some, yeah, and it shifted. That's the rumble, and then it pushed some of that old volcanic rubble. Just got shifted. Right, right, okay. And basically, that old carbon dioxide just like bloop. It was like a huge water cooler. Yes. Right. Yeah. So they say it's like an underwater springs that carried the gas upwards into the lake for like from that deep lake bottom water. Yeah. So under pressure from the lake water above, the gas would accumulate um, pressure, keeping the CO, the carbon dioxide from coalescing into bubbles. Mm -hmm. It's like a cap of a, like a self, like a carbonated yeah. drink. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so when it got shifted, it just like. Like a just a giant. It they literally all like it belched. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It belched like death. <laughs> basically, oh God. and stinky, right? Yeah, it would have been like rotten eggs. I imagine. Wouldn't it smell like that? Carbon dioxide. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. They said it was really a I strong know, smell because we breathe it out, right? So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This whole time I've been thinking carbon monoxide because yeah. you know, like that's a cars thing, but no, that's yeah, yeah. I don't know. So it also showed that the water level was like four feet lower than it had previously been. Whoa. So the carbon dioxide had been accumulating from underground springs and it was like being held down for a while to give it that extra, extra four feet. Yeah. And it said it was a billion cubic yards of gas. That's a lot. I don't even know what that is. A bu billion cubic yards. My brain doesn't grasp a size that's a, that's of that. like a lot of football fields and it traveled low to the ground because it's heavier than air right so until it dispersed so that's how it kind of rolled along through the uh, villages the fog the fog well the fact that it's cool like there's a color to it like yeah. you could see it you could see it like it would either way either way it would be creepy if you couldn't see it or you could see it it would it, either way still creepy it's so creepy so normal levels of carbon dioxide in the air is way less than a tenth of a percent right but this near the lake would have reached levels of 10 percent or more Ooh. which is a lot and we know it's a natural byproduct of geologic processes sure the melting and cooling of rock and so most of the time it's harmless surfacing and dispersing quickly from vents in the earth from carbonated springs because mm -hmm. think about when you go to a spring and it's like warm yeah it's stinky yeah it's there's a, that's like sulfur though right yeah that's what it smells like it's yeah. like it's it's like got that smell right Sulfuric. but there's still been incidents of reported poisonings that have occurred in nature mm -hmm. since roman times megan Ooh. vented carbon dioxide in volcanic central italy occasionally has killed animals or people who have wandered into those depressions mm. where there's like heavy gas pools and even at Yellowstone. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. Right? Grizzly bears. Oh. Have died. There's this uh, ravine, I guess, known as Death Gulch. So there's been some wildlife that have... It's like, don't go there. Yeah. They didn't read the sign. <laughs> they didn't have their little like Yellowstone map. That was Get like, it together, don't go bears. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See them holding just, it with their little glasses? Just bunny rabbits. <laughs> just like, what the... 
raccoons. <laughs> raccoons. They're like following it with their big paw. Nail this one. Don't go here. The, no, this one has the skull and crossbones on it, you guys. You're like, you remember your your uncle Al, like, you know. He went down there. We yeah, never saw we, him again. That was it. So, but they've been trying to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide in the lake to, pre- to prevent it since then. Uh, you want to know how they did it? Is it with a giant straw? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh like person. <laughs> it just makes me think of like in uh, like landfills where they just stick a pipe in the ground and then that's how they get rid of the methane. There's light it at the top and it's just like a constant lighter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or they can connect it and make power for somebody Honestly, or a few people. Yeah. Well, they do yeah, yeah, in yeah. some places. They do. But they also like notice that if the lake were further north or south, because, um, you know, seasonal temperatures... Temperature swings yeah. would mix the waters, preventing this buildup. Cold weather causes the surface waters to become dense and sink, oh, and it displaces yeah. the lower members. Wasn't that stratification yeah, yeah, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. In the spring, and the process then reverses, but because it's so close to the equator, it's so warm. It's just building and building and yeah, building. Yeah, then it never, there was never any kind of like mix with the layers in the lake. So it just like, there was nothing moving the water, so it just built up. Whoa. Yeah. So starting in from 1995, because this happened in 86, and mm. they immediately started trying to like figure this out, but they think they had an idea. Like, we think we have an idea. Yeah. Feasibility. They did some feasibility studies, and they put in the first permanent degassing tube, and it was installed at the lake in 2001. And then they added a couple of more and did some refurbishing by 2011. Yeah. That's it. So in 2019, they were like, okay, this degassing thing is really working. And it's really like there was no machinery. It's like basically yeah. stick a straw in it. Yeah. Just, That's you, all they did. And you got to make sure that the straw is clear all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to maintain it. But they just basically said it had reached a, like a steady state mm-hmm. and that this single one of the installed pipes would be able to like sustain it, the degassing process yeah. into the future. So... Basically, they don't need any kind of external power to do it. It just seems to take care of itself, like through the, yeah, just a straw. Just a straw. Is the straw? Wait, did you say it was a plastic straw, Jen? Because that's not. I know that's eco friendly. <laughs> I guess turtles. it would have to be. It, maybe it's steel. Just a steel straw. <laughs> it's they bamboo. Have a, they have bamboo a little. Megan. They have a little straw cleaner. <laughs> they go in there with clean it out. Right. Uh, it's like the opposite of a chimney sweep, but right. going down. I want to know about the red water. Was that just like, are there fit? Were there fish in there? I would assume because it's like a crater. Maybe there's not fish. Well, or I would anything. think because it just like, be, I would think because of the landslide and it just it, you sediment know, or whatever. It's getting, sediment. Like, it just stirred up. it up. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It like everything got mixed up and it was just dirt. Yeah. Can you, I, I agree. Can you imagine if it were, yeah, like 1800 and yeah. that happened and everybody was like, no, or like, the lake is full of blood. Or like the year the, 1000, you know, like, yeah, 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 it would have been a whole different story. This ghost came across the land and killed everybody, left two people to talk about it. And well, I'm going to tell you a couple of myths and oh my folklore. God. Well, yeah, I kind of want to know, like, is this when's the what? Because obviously there's people who live around this area. Yeah. Like, what was the time before this time? Are you going to talk about that? I am. Okay, I am. Okay, okay, okay. So back to Ephraim, the yeah. sur- one of the survivors. He told the Smithsonian's Kevin Krajic, I think is how you say his last name, in 2003. They did a story where he shared, Ephraim shared a story from his grandfather. Okay. Okay. And he said, long ago, as the story went, there were a group of villagers that decided to cross Lake Nyos. You're going to like this story. Mm-hmm. Um, one man parted the waters. 
like how God did, you like know, Moses? in the Red Sea. Yeah. yeah. But a mosquito came and bit the man on a testicle, <laughs> obviously. I'm like, why were they, were they just out there? <laughs> yeah, like, how, <laughs> what happened? He, maybe he's standing kind of like A-frame, you know, and just like bent knees <laughs> a little like, bit. He's got to like bend his knees. It's the equator, so they're hanging real low, Jen. <laughs> they're like, it's, do you, you what out. kind of shorts are you wearing? Yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, a long time ago, maybe they're just naked. Maybe they're just naked, but yeah. yeah. So when he swatted at the mosquito, he lost his grip on the waters. Oh, no. And then all the water came in and all the villagers drowned. Wow. So, and at that point, he pointed to the lake and he was like, they're between those two rocks. That's where all the people died. You know, very matter of factly saying like, those where the ghosts are. That's where it happened. And you can hear them. He said, you can hear them talking sometimes, but you don't see them. Oh, oh, so maybe that's the whole like screaming thing that the, the other lady said she heard, like all the people screaming. Yeah, exactly. Creepy. That is creepy. So they also say that this story kind of falls in what anthropologists would call geomythology. Like Mm -hmm. in this case, it's an account of an actual disaster that became more mythological, more, yeah, like exaggerated or fantastic as it got passed through generations and, and then became a legend because over time the details will shift. But the story probably serves a purpose for real events that people would be careful, right? Does it always include a mosquito biting someone's <laughs> testicles? Where, where's the lesson there? Right? Like just tidy whities I don't know. Cover them up. Cover cover up the, the balls. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not have this happen again. I bet there is something to that now. Yeah. Of They're all, like in ever since then. This is why we wear this kind of food. Full, fully, yeah. uh, full underwear. Just got to really yeah. keep them close to the body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and is that just like what kind of crazy it's like mosquito? Also, like the mosquito, like there. So nowhere else. They're probably they're like nowhere else on your body would it cause you to drop the water like that. Yeah, yeah right. But like getting bit there, forget about it. That, no that control. Must, they're like that must be why because he just couldn't. I mean, you can't. It's so sensitive. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, maybe my eyeball. If it like went. I mean, I'm sure there's some other eye. places that yeah. would. Also, the word naios in their language means, well, okay, I don't know what the different languages are, but in yeah. one language means good, but in another language, it me- local these local languages there, mm-hmm. means um, to crush. So meaning like maybe when the water came in and oh, I drowned all those like, people. When he crushed the mosquito against his balls. <laughs> You're really hung up on that. I really am. But, Just the detail. I feel like there must be something <laughs> lost in the translation of that story. No. That's like what it, I just... <laughs> Listen, why the balls? I really am. I just can't. <laughs> Mosquito biting the testicle and everyone dies. Everyone. <laughs> I th- <laughs> it's just like there's nothing worse that could happen. <laughs> than testicle being bitten by a mosquito. Yeah, that's it. Oh, God. Um, okay. Also in their local mythology outside of the mosquito thing, uh-huh. um, they say that the Cameroonian people their myths are really kind of there's a lot about lakes and lakes being the home for ancestors and spirits and Mm. also a source of death according to legends that were documented by this anthropologist eugenia shanklin and she's with the college of new jersey um a lake may rise sink explode or even exchange or even change location sorry and then certain ethnic groups decree that houses near lakes be erected on higher grounds hmm 
and she thinks perhaps because of this, perhaps because of this like collective memory from disasters Disaster. of the past, right, right? right? So, and that's why this Ephraim's people, like that he, you know, his ancestors have hunt for hundreds of years, followed that tradition, and that's why he was settled on the upper Nios instead of closer to the lake, which maybe saved him. Right. They also say about 60 years ago, there were other groups that started moving into the area that didn't really follow that same tradition. I was going to say, what, did someone like show up and they're like, hey, what, this look at this perfectly good land here. Everyone's like, like yeah. Well, and there's like, there's some sign. <laughs> didn't say anything. <laughs> there's like a sign that, but the skull and crossbones are like kind of faded. It's like a testicle with like a mosquito. <laughs> and they're like, don't go there. <laughs> with like a line through yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And just everybody in the upper Nios is like talking about it. They're like, and they're oh, all like, we don't care about it. I mean, what a, whatever, if a mosquito, like, you know. Yeah. But they don't know. They don't know the full Man. story, just the little one. That, you know what that makes me think of when people build their house houses in the U.S. in like marshlands mm-hmm. or like like a hurricane zone. Right. Right. And you're like, oh, man, I don't know if that's a good idea. Right. Yeah. Well, so that was what happened with the other lady and her family. They were actually not of the same, you know, background traditions. And so they had settled on the lower slopes. Yeah. And by the 1980s, the population near the lake was several thousand and growing. So a lot of people had built their homes closer to the lake. And that is what happened and why there were so many people affected by this. Man. So people still live around there. I don't think they live. I couldn't find like anything really saying if people moved closer to the lower slopes. Mm -hmm. But people are still living around there. They're still struggling with this all these years later. They're still like. Articles, documentaries about it till now, this, you know, like how this affected that whole population and how they feel like they were not fairly treated by the government Mm. or how they didn't receive much assistance at all. But it does make me really like question what happened between that first eruption where the 37 people. Yeah. Like yeah, why wasn't there something that was done? That's because a lot they of could people. Have, they could have been like, oh, hey, look at this other lake that's really similar in structure. Yeah. Let's do something before, because of this disaster. Yeah. Let's thwart. It's because they're just way out there in the middle of, you know, in the mm-hmm. mountains. Um, and they just, you know, the government isn't probably so great. Attentive? <laughs> yeah. Man, that, yeah, that's really sad. So that is the story of the Lake Nyos disaster of 1986. Oh yeah, I can't imagine looking out my window. And, you know, it's coming fast, probably. Oh, it came. Just, like, so fast. Yeah. You're saying, like, 45 miles an hour, something like that? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. And I don't think it was, um, I mean, definitely people passed out, but they also, I mean, it wasn't immediate. Right. There were, I didn't put it in here, but there were accounts of when they did see the people's bodies, there was, like, blood around their mouths. Mm. So I think a lot of people, like, were, like, choking and coughing. Right. And making terrible noises and then you know, passed out. They were just choking on this carbon dioxide. Man, I would almost hope that I would fully pass out and yeah. like hit my head on something or, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like just not be anywhere near consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you at all. And just mm-hmm. that everything died. Yeah, that's pretty awful. Carbon dioxide, man. It's just so interesting too, because it wasn't something like when I was thinking about the molasses, it was... Yeah. Like, these are people that just were completely, like, not following any kind of safety guidelines. Yeah, yeah, They're like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, for yeah, sure yeah. going to break. Yeah. But let's just keep doing <laughs> like it. everybody is talking about it. 
Yeah. Like stealing molasses. Yes. That's like a man-made disaster. But this Man, is like a natural. It's like an industrial kind yeah. of thing. But it's, the, yeah, yeah it's this was like a complete the, natural. Like no one could have stopped it. Right. No one could have done anything. Yeah. They're just living their lives. Being and like, you know. The earth was just being the earth. The earth was being the earth. The earth and, was, was earthen. Yeah. And then. And just geez. like killed a bunch of people. Like the earth does. Like it does. Because nature has to get rid of some of us sometimes. It's the truth. Or else we're just too crazy. Oh, man. These things will happen. That's so scary. I know. I mean, it is and it isn't. I don't know. I feel Sometimes I feel like with those things, it's like, well, yeah. It's got to keep our population under control somehow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the scary thing is not dying. Right. <laughs> no, that's true. The scary, totally... the scary thing would be the, to be one of the survivors. I just had the same thought while I was watching a horror movie recently. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, actually, horror movies are not scary for the people who, like, are not the final girl. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, it's actually horrifying for the final the, girl. Or the one who survives. Yeah, who made yeah. it through all of that. Yeah. But if you just die in the first five minutes. You're good. Whatever. But I it's think over. in this case, and in a lot of cases, you know, you might have survivor's guilt or you yes. might, it, all that stuff. Like why? But why somebody me? needs to survive to tell the story right. of what happened. Yeah. So then I guess it's your job to be that voice Person. for the community and your mm-hmm. family and say and what advocate or whatever yeah exactly yeah. And, and say go, what happened go to like neighboring villages that might have a similar uh structure someplace and yeah. say like hey exactly because if if you know i mean i would imagine regardless mm-hmm. i would hope that the neighboring you know villages and whatever the government would have done something hopefully, a lot of people. hopefully. yeah but anyway sorry <sighs> So sad, but so, so crazy. Creepy. Yeah. And creepy. Yeah. Well, Jen, thank Be you. Be careful for... of those crater lakes. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> they're I feel a like crater for a reason. Yeah. So many places. Uh, and I, I feel like there are a lot of lakes called Crater Lake, right? Yeah. And it's like now I'm like questioning why? Why is it called Crater Lake? You could do lake? a whole story about Crater Lakes. For sure. I, you know, this is just like a little piece. Mm. It's like a little piece of the puzzle. Creepy. So creepy. Well, thank you, Jen, so much for that story. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, And until next time. Don't die out there. Bye. Bye. You're Gonna Die Out There is produced by us, Jen and Megan, and edited by the talented and super nice guy, Jonathan Pillsbury. Thank you, Jonathan. Yay. Yay. Uh, All of this is possible because of an amazing group of Nature Nerd patrons. If you would like to be part of our super cool nerd community on Patreon, just go to our website at you're gonna die out there.com or you can check our link tree on our Instagram page, which is kind of amazing. It is. I'm sorry. But it is. Uh, another way you can support is by leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you do, Jen will send you a really kick ass sticker. You just have to send us your mailing address. I will do it. If I forget, hey, if you left us a review and I didn't send you a sticker, send us an email. Let me know. Just let me know. Uh, Also, we would love to hear from you. We get a lot of our stories from listener suggestions. A lot. We kind of steal them. All the time. Yeah. Um, Because they're so good. So if you would like to do that, go to our website. We have a contact page at you'regonnadieoutthere.com or an email, you'regonnadieoutthere at gmail.com. And at the beginning of the episode, we give you a shout out. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye.